One important point to put across is that we are not owners of your home at that point. We don't go on title as a co-owner or as a tenant in common. The agreement is very similar to an option agreement. So that means we sit on the sidelines. You as the homeowner maintain all rights and privileges of home ownership. The house remains yours. The equity remains yours. And then you have up to 30 years to sell your home or to buy back the agreement. And during that period, you have full use of the capital, which can be tax deferred. So you may not have to pay income tax or capital gains tax until you sell your home and you can use the money for whatever you want. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Matthew Sullivan. Matthew is the CEO of Quantum RE, a home equity investing platform that unlocks a homeowner's equity without requiring them to take on more debt. By taking a piece of the equity, they'll be partners with you as your home value changes over time. If the home value appreciates, then they'll earn with you, and if the home decreases in value, then they'll take a share in the loss as well. In this episode, Matthew will tell us how the home equity investment platform works and will share stories about how to create your own businesses. This is a very unique product and could be a great way for homeowners to tap into the equity that's trapped in their homes. If you're new to this podcast, welcome to the show. If you thought it was informative and engaging, consider subscribing to the podcast. We release episodes every Wednesday and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. This episode is sponsored by Conventus Lending. Conventus is a hard money lending company based in the Bay Area and has funded over $2 billion over the past few years. We offer competitive rates and amazing service. And for being an Everything Real Estate Investing Show listener, you'll get a discount on your processing fee. So whether you're looking for a bridge loan for your next fix and flip project, or if you're looking for a 30-year fixed loan on an investment property, contact me at sean at everythingrei.com to get the process started. All right, Matthew, I'm so happy to have you on our show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do. Well, my name is Matthew Sullivan. I'm the founder and uh, CEO of Quantum RE. And what we do is solve a major problem for homeowners who have equity in their homes by enabling them to unlock some of the equity in their homes without taking on more debt. So that means if you're a homeowner, we can provide you with a cash lump sum with no loans, no mortgages, no remortgages, no monthly payments, no interest, and no added debt. You can spend the money on whatever you want, and you have up to 30 years to settle the agreement. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the whole thing works? Yes. What we provide is equity-based financing. So as, Sean, as, as of course you've, you've come across in commercial transactions, if you look at a typical commercial transaction, there's junior debt, senior debt, mezzanine, equity, preferred equity. There's all sorts of layers of financing that's available to a commercial transaction. Now, if you go to the homeowner, the only capital that's available is debt. So you've got a mortgage, a home equity line of credit or a reverse mortgage. It's all debt. So what we do is we work with investors who are interested in participating in the equity portion of your home. So that means if your home goes up in value, 
they get paid by taking a share of that increase in value rather than charging you interest. So from a homeowner's perspective, because it's not a loan, that means you can get cash for your share of the equity or for a piece of your equity. And it's not a loan, so there are no monthly payments. It doesn't go on your credit report as additional debt. And there's no, uh, there's no payments and there's no interest uh, during the, uh, the period of the agreement. So there's no debt to income ratio requirements, and it's not going to show up as like a second on your loan? Well, it does. So the answer is yes. So those two things are not necessarily uh, connected with a debt product. So our agreement, which is similar to an option agreement, our investors uh, are protected by having this agreement recorded as a lien on title. But that doesn't mean to say it's a debt product. It just means that the performance of that agreement is tied to the house via a lien. So we and our investors are protected. When you go through the sales process, that means that we're on title as a lien holder. So we are paid off through the escrow process. Um, And also from a debt to income ratio perspective. We do have a minimum credit score of 600. And we do occasionally look at debt to income ratio, but only if we only look at that to make sure that you are able to pay your existing obligations, rather than um, seeing whether or not you would be able to pay for another, you know, monthly payment. So, Depending on the amount of equity that you have in your home, if you have significant equity in your home, then we won't look at the debt to income ratio. That's interesting. How did you come up with this concept and why not be just another lender, like a private money lender? Well, the great news is that we didn't invent this. So it has been around for almost a decade. Uh, It was created by a company in San Diego about 10 years ago. And over that period, there's been a number of developments and iterations of the product. And it stood the test of time. So last year, we estimate around three quarters of a billion dollars was invested into home equity agreements. And this is such a, um, a different product. The most compelling thing for us is that this unlocks a previously untapped seven, sorry, correction, $18 trillion marketplace. So the reason we're so excited about this is because it really is uh, an enormous opportunity in terms of a real estate investment asset class. There are only five companies in this space right now. There are over 15 million homeowners that have 50% or more equity in their home. So it really is an enormous opportunity. And we are there right at the very beginning. So that for us is very exciting. And that is the most compelling reason not to go back back into that sort of shark infested pool, which is that incredibly competitive landscape that is you know, lending to homeowners. And you're absolutely right. There are so many homes here in the Bay Area that have just hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity, but they probably won't qualify for you know a refinance or they would have to do a reverse mortgage to tap into their equity. So I think a product like yours is very helpful for people like that. It is. And also reverse mortgages are rather restrictive. I mean, they're a very specialized product. I mean, people assume that just because you can get a mortgage, you can get a reverse mortgage. But actually, you know, you, you have to be over 62 years old. If you move out of your house, 
then you have to pay the mortgage off or you have to sell your home to repay the reverse mortgage. There's all sorts of other restrictions. And also with a reverse mortgage, which is effectively a loan, but rather than paying the interest every month, you save it up and you pay it at the end. It does have the ability to eat into all of the equity in your home. And that's very different to our product. Our product is based on the sale price of your home. So if your home doesn't go up in value, we make a lot less. If your house goes down in value, we actually run the risk of potentially losing money. So it's a very different product. And it does take some time to sort of get your head around the fact that this is such a different product to debt. But because of that, it has so many advantages compared to going back to the bank on bended knee and presenting them with your paperwork, uh, which they normally dismiss because you, you know, you're not a W-2 employee or you don't have a, a credit score of 900 you know, or, or something like that. Can we talk about the pros and cons of this product? Absolutely, yes. I don't believe that there are any cons. And, I, and I'm not saying that really because I'm you know, clearly sitting where I am. But if I can answer it this way, the resistance we tend to get is a conceptual or it's a reason based on people's belief in what equity in a home represents. And I'll give an example. We run a number of ads on Facebook and the sort of comments we get are from people saying equity is should be protected at all costs. It's almost this sort of religious belief that equity is that thing that should never be touched. So the biggest challenge we have, if I can sort of somehow move away from a con to a challenge, the challenge we have is educating people about equity and what equity really is. And the fact is that equity is a large, single, concentrated, non-financial, non-cash flowing asset. So to the average homeowner, it is dead money. And as we know, the only way you can unlock it is by borrowing money. So the biggest challenge we have is to educate people that there is now a way for you to unlock some of your equity without having that additional burden of monthly payments, without going back into debt. Because there's a lot of research that's come out of HUD that shows that seniors in particular who have spent their lives paying down their mortgage, they just don't want to go back into debt. So the biggest challenge we have, the biggest task we have is educating people not only about what equity really is, but also how this product which is an evolution of uh, home, home-based financing, is something that they should really look at. And who have your typical clients been? Who are the type of people that want to take out this kind of product loan? Or how do you even call it? This kind of equity share? Well, it's a home equity agreement. So it, it really is. We, the important thing is to use the word equity. It's a home equity agreement, home equity investment, because it is that. It's an investment in equity as opposed to a debt. And our clients range from people in all walks of life, but typically they fall into three sort of containers or buckets. The first is people who cannot borrow money. They have equity, but they can't borrow money. And the reason they can't borrow money is because they may not have the right credit score. And we now know that, or we know that the credit score requirements for cash out refinancing is growing significantly. It's around sort of 730 to 750 now with most banks. Um, they also may not be able to borrow money because they may not have the income. Now, particularly with the current economic situation caused by the pandemic, you know, we've got 40 million people unemployed. So just think of the impact on all of those businesses. People that have 
equity in their homes that previously would have been able to borrow, now they can't through no fault of their own. So the second bucket is people that simply don't want to borrow money, people that have spent their lives paying off their mortgage, people that are afraid to take on a mortgage or to take on some sort of cash out refinance. And that's not some misplaced fear. That is a true fear, which is a very sensible reaction because we don't know what the current economic climate is going to move into, how it's going to uh, change. And so to take on additional debt, even though the equity is there, is something that they're very reticent to do. The third bucket are people that see equity as an asset and want to move the money from their equity into an investment that is cash flowing or maybe to fund some sort of entrepreneurial venture. So their approach is to say the equity in my home is really just another retail uh, res- uh, real estate asset. So what I want to be able to do is move it out of this dead money that's not cash flowing. Perhaps I could put it as a down payment on another home that I can rent out. Maybe I can move some of that capital into an interest-bearing instrument or maybe another type of real estate investment that provides a yield. So within that group, we have people that are looking to pay off high interest credit card debt. We're looking at people who want to refurbish their homes. We're looking at people that want to buy new homes, people that want to build ADUs or you know granny flats, particularly in California. And that's a great way of taking your equity, adding to the value of your home and turning it into something where you can generate revenues through renting out the ADUs. So we also work with people that use home equity agreements as a way of settling payments under a divorce, a whole range of things. We we work with solar companies. If you want to put solar panels on your home, but you don't want to borrow the money, here's a great way of converting the equity in your home into solar panels. So you immediately add value to your home and you cut your electricity bill into a, a tiny fraction of what it was before. So there's all sorts of exciting ways of using your equity because the critical component is there's no monthly payments. So it opens up a world of possibilities. Yeah. Are there any requirements besides the credit requirement? Yeah. The primary requirement is equity in the home. So typically, we're looking for homeowners who have a home that's worth a quarter of a million dollars and upwards. Um, the maximum home value we work with is $5 million. Anything over and above that, it becomes very difficult to price. Most of our homes are in the sort of 500000 to $1.5 million mark. And we're looking for equity so that if you take your existing mortgage and you add the investment that we give you, that has to be 70% or less of the current value of your home. So that means that you as the homeowner, you still have 30% equity. And also the most that we will invest is 20% of the current value of your home. Can you tell us what the process is if they want to get a home equity investment? It's very similar to the process that you would go through, funnily enough, if you were applying for a loan. So in other words, there's an information exchange. So you would apply through our website, which is a very straightforward application. One of us will then call you as soon as we get your information. And the sort of information you would provide us really is to do with your home, details about the mortgages that you have, the insurance that you have a point in the application process after you've gone through the initial qualification will then ask you for your credit report. So we don't do a credit check at the beginning. We only do the credit check once you're happy to go ahead. 
We'll then send out an appraiser. So the appraiser is independently instructed using an appraisal management company. So that makes uh, sure that all of the appraisals are fully independent. And then when we've got that information about the value of your home, your mortgage, and your credit report, we'll also ask you for some information potentially about your income. It doesn't have to be W-2. You can be 1099. You can have rental income. As long as we can be happy that you're going to support your existing mortgage. Typically, the process takes between four to six weeks. And at the end of that period, we will transfer the capital to you, which represents our investment in the equity in your home. One important point to put across is that we are not owners of your home at that point. We don't go on title as a co-owner or as a tenant in common. The agreement is very similar to an option agreement. So that means we sit on the sidelines. You as the homeowner maintain all rights and privileges of home ownership. So we're not going to come knocking on your door expecting to camp out in your spare room one day. So the house remains yours, the equity remains yours. And then you have up to 30 years to sell your home or to buy back the agreement. And during that period, you have full use of the capital, which can be tax deferred. So you may not have to pay income tax or capital gains tax until you sell your home, and you can use the money for whatever you want. Yeah, sounds great. And can you give us an example of some of the numbers? The underwriting is very much dependent on the individual home. So there's an underwriting guide, but the rule of thumb is if we take a $500,000 home and you wanted to unlock $50,000, that would represent 10% of the current value of your home. So when you sell your home, which can be anytime in the next 30 years, we would look to get back our original investment of $50,000. And we'll then take a share of the appreciation of the home. So if the home has gone up in value from half a million dollars, whatever it's gone up by, we'll then take typically between a 25 to 40% share of that increase in value. Got it. Okay. And in case there's a loss, how would you recoup your investment then? Well, again, that's the beauty of this contract. So these agreements are all tied to the value of the home. So if the home significantly falls in value, then we take a share of the downside as well. So that means that you may end up, if your house is sold at a significant loss to a third party bona fide purchaser, in other words, if you're not selling it to your brother-in-law at a, some sort of a rather interesting price, if it's sold on the open market at a loss, then we will take a share of that loss as well. So that means that unlike a loan where the principal remains independent of the value of the home, we will take a potential reduction in the amount that you owe us if the house falls significantly. And your investors who invest in a product like this must have a very long time frame because there's a potential for their equity to be tied up for 30 plus years. You're absolutely right. But if you look at pension funds and endowments and the sort of capital that provides bedrock to a lot of investments, there's always an allocation that is designed to be invested in this type of long-term asset-backed investment. There are investments that require a cash yield. There are other investments that require the investment to be more liquid. 
But in any investment portfolio, particularly for the longer term endowment and pension funds, they're looking for an inflationary hedge. And because of that multiplier effect that our agreements give based on the underlying house price index, it's a great way for pension funds to provide an asset-backed investment that has that inflationary hedge. There's more, however. What you're saying is absolutely correct. This is a illiquid, long-term, non-cash-flowing investment. So the number of investors that look at this are obviously smaller in number than typically you would see with cash-flowing investments. So we've designed and are currently implementing a secondary market exchange. And that's something that we're working on right now. And so that over time, we will be able to create a marketplace where investors who have invested in home equity agreements can sell their interests or fractions of their interests in the same way that in the current mortgage market today, uh, you can buy and sell mortgages or fractions of mortgages based on the underlying borrower and the underlying home. So as it's such a large marketplace, again, $18 trillion worth of home equity and residential homes in the US, we believe that over time there will be a vibrant secondary market um, in these home uh, house price agreements or uh, home uh, equity agreements. Yeah. So are you saying that right now, most of your investors are actually these larger funds and probably not an individual? Yeah, they're family offices, uh, multifamily offices, hedge funds, pensions, endowment funds, long-term capital. We will see, however, a move towards more, a wider range of investors because it's such an interesting asset class. And remember, you know, people don't normally stay in their home for 30 years. It's like how many... 30-year mortgages do you know that actually run the full 30 years? People on average move every seven years. Um, So over time, if you normalize or if you look at the sort of normal distribution curve of home ownership with our contracts, it's going to be very similar to the average home ownership. So the average duration of these contracts is typically around five years. And do you have any kind of seasoning requirement? Like they have to own the home for a certain amount of time? No, not at all. No. So there's no requirement you just need to have a qualifying amount of equity. So the moment you move into your home, then if you have sufficient equity, and many people acquire homes through, you know, through through their parents passing or through other ways where they suddenly find themselves owning a home. And I guess particularly sort of Northern California and San Francisco, where, where you're based, there are situations where if I were to sell a home that I'd acquired through that sort of process, the capital gains tax that I would face would be enormous. So this is a great way for people that own their homes outright to be able to tap into a large amount of uh, equity without that tax implication. And I think that's very important as people, you know, sort of as the next generation sort of moves in and acquires, you know, the properties that are handed from one generation to another. This is another very important application of these types of agreements. Mm-hmm. And what kind of points and fees is someone going to look at when they're getting something like this? It's very similar to the, the sort of fees that you would be used to for a mortgage. So the homeowner would, in most cases, pay a 3% once-off fee, which comes out of the capital that they are, their investment capital. So in that $50,000 example, $1,500 would be deducted from that fee, from that 50000 as a once-off 
administration fee. And then on top of that, any out-of-pocket expenses uh, that have been incurred through the process, such as the appraisal, title fees, insurance, all those fees, that will come out too. So typically, the homeowner would normally receive 95% of the investment that is made in their home. Excellent. And this was all very interesting. I'm actually kind of interested in you. Know, you. How did you end up in this business? It seemed like a good idea at the time. It's funny. Now, I was, um, I've been involved in platforms that tap into large markets. So about five years ago, I came across this asset class at a crowdfunding conference. Um, I think one of the speakers there was talking about home equity. It was a completely different you know, mechanism they were using at that point. But you could immediately sort of get faint signals from the future. It was really exciting at that point because, so you're telling me that there's 17, as it was then, trillion dollars is locked up. No one's doing anything with it. No one can invest in it because, and the answer was yes. The question is, why is that? And the answer is, well, that's how it's always been. So immediately, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for you know 30 years or so. And you immediately think, well, there is an opportunity there somewhere. The challenges, the lack of liquidity, the lack of cash pay. But the market is so big. And what we're saying is, if you can structure the contracts correctly, then you can attract that. So, you know, I've been involved in crowdfunding, finance platforms, technology. I've always been interested in building platforms that enable people to tap into these big markets, whether it be telecoms or finance or home equity. So for me, it did immediately resonate. It took a few years really for the products to mature and to get adopted to the point where they have this mass market opportunity. And I think that's where we are now. So we're now at the point where there is sufficient education within the marketplace for us to be able to start saying, well, let's see if we can get some momentum. And to give you an idea, we've had more inquiries this month um, than we've had in the previous three months together. So I think it's just the combination of people wanting to explore um, options for their equity and the current economic uh, crisis and just the the fact that home equity agreements have reached a point of maturity. What kind of challenges do you think you've had running this business? I think the challenge with any business really is is that there's a saying that no business survives first contact with a real customer. So, and I think there's so many things that we want to do with this asset class. We want to be able to get it out to homeowners. So there's the education process. We want to be able to take the asset and slice it, dice it, fractionalize it, create a trading platform. So there's a lot of things that we want to do. So the challenge really is getting everything in the right order. And that's really taken us a couple of years to figure out what has to happen first and to make sure we can build the momentum. So the steps are really, let's get really good at originating these transactions. Let's get the ability to originate $100 million of these a year. And at that point, we'll have sufficient number of these agreements that we can then create a vibrant secondary market exchange. But the challenges really are associated with trying to do something new. You come up against resistance because people just don't understand what it is. You speak to them about equity, but they're fixated on debt. So at the end of the conversation, they'll say something like, well, I don't understand where's, you know, 
where's my monthly payment? And you go, well, it's debt, you know, it's, you know, so that's the challenges come from every direction, but you know, one by one, we're, we're knocking them down and we're moving forwards, um, you know, very quickly. So I guess the key is to educate as much as you can by, you know, create your own show, come on this podcast and create more information out there. It is exactly. And this sort of thing is really helpful because it gives us the opportunity to explain what the program is and why it's different and why it's here to stay and why it could be even bigger than the current mortgage marketplace. Um, Because there is a sea change in the way people are looking at debt and people are afraid of debt and rightly so. And debt has been the only instrument and there's no reason for that. So I think this really is an evolution of um, home financing and it's something that is here to stay. And what is your current marketing strategy? We have two major sort of prongs or approaches. One is direct to consumer. So we use social media. We're getting some great results on Twitter and Facebook in particular, where the message is, would you like to access some of your home equity without monthly payments, without interest or without additional debt? We then take people through to a calculator. We have eBooks. So our direct-to-consumer is actually getting more efficient almost on a day-to-day basis. We also have a very strong channel partnership strategy where we work through companies that deal with consumers that want to finance something. And again, solar panels, renewable energy is a great example, because if you want to put solar panels on your home, you know, that's a $30,000, dollars $50,000 investment. If you take out a loan to do that, then you've got the monthly payments. You've got that on your credit report. But how about if you have a house that you own outright and not enough income to support a loan, you would be turned down. So you wouldn't be able to put the solar panels on. In our situation, we would be able to provide you with debt-free financing so you could increase the value of your home. You wouldn't have any monthly payments. Your energy bill would go through the floor. It's a real win-win. So there are all sorts of channel partnerships like that. We work with debt management companies, with mortgage companies that work with homeowners to try and reschedule their mortgage debt. So those are a great source of leads for us because they're providing us customers that have a defined need and we can find out very quickly if we can satisfy them. That's so interesting. It sounds like there are so many moving parts to creating a business like this. I was wondering like if someone wanted to come out and become an entrepreneur, like how do you go about and just get started creating your business? Uh, Well, the answer is you get started. That's the thing. And you work backwards. So what you do is you get started. You, there's an expression where you get the shovel dirty and then you figure out what to do next. So you start with a plan. So you start with a rough idea. In other words, is this actually going to work? Is it big enough? Am I buying high and selling low? Because if that's the case, it's probably not got a great deal of legs. So you do the basic understanding. Is this something, is there a demand for this? Or do I just want to be an entrepreneur at all costs? That's how I started. Yeah, so I made all sorts of mistakes. I just wanted to be out there doing things. I didn't really care what the business was. But you learn very quickly. um, And poverty is a great tutor. But is the business correct? Is there a demand? In our case, there is a demand because millions of people want cash without going into debt. Um, So once you're pretty happy that there is a demand for your business, just get stuck in, just do something, get started, set up your company, um, 
design the logo, build the website. Don't suffer from analysis paralysis where you think I can't possibly start because I haven't got the right colored chair or my screen's not at the right angle or it's a Tuesday or it's a day ending in Y or, you know, so that it's very easy to find reasons not to start. So my advice is just, you know, throw yourself in head first and then figure out what to do next because you probably will. And the answer, my, my greatest sort of piece of advice someone gave me is that the answer is always right under your nose. It's always staring at you. You always look in the wrong direction, but the answer is always there. So, you know, don't be afraid to try new things. Also, my advice is don't run out of money because that's always a bad thing. Running out of money is to be avoided at all costs. Life becomes incredibly boring if you run out of money. So don't bet everything on, you know, one thing. Be very careful how you allocate, you know, test, but just keep moving. And I remember reading somewhere that the the test of a startup that is likely to be most successful is the frequency that it iterates. So in other words, your momentum, how fast you're moving, how quickly you do things, how quickly your iteration is, that is likely to demonstrate how likely you are to be a success because it proves how fleet-footed you are because you have to be able to keep on your toes. Yeah, I think this is a good segue into your podcast. I see the Hooked on Startups podcast. I was wondering if you could tell us why you started it and what are some of the common themes that you've heard from your guests? Unfortunately, I had such fun with Hooked on Startups. So Hooked on Startups is a podcast I started a couple of years ago. And I did, I think it's about 60 something episodes, one a week. In some cases, it was two a week. It was brilliant fun because you get to meet some really interesting people who give you hours of their time. And I met through this, you know, a range of really interesting people. I threw myself into Quantum RE and put the podcast on hold. But series two is going to be coming out soon because I just miss it so much. And I think there's so much more willingness for people to sort of jump on a Zoom call now than there was before. But the common theme was everyone I spoke to was really interesting. When you go through this challenge of running a business or converting an idea into reality, you have that common thread of experience that sort of, you know, acts as a, you know, binds you together. So they were all super interesting. They were all brilliant people. There was not a single interview where we found ourselves sort of stumbling around for what, for what to say next. So we didn't have any situations where we had to judiciously use the saber of the editor. And it was great fun. And, you know, my children occasionally, you know, watch the episodes on YouTube and say, look, daddy's on TV. So, so I'm actually a legend in my own bathroom now. Awesome. You know, I actually read in your bio that at one point you were actually working with Richard Branson. Yeah, that was a few years ago. It feels like yesterday. And that was back in the late 90s, where we ended up working very closely with him. We had a, a hot air balloon company that we had invested in. And my boss at the time, there's, we we're a very small corporate finance company in Kensington in London. We'd acquired the interest, a majority interest in Lindstrand balloons. And my boss wrote to Richard Branson, he was funny enough, just up the road in um, uh, Notting Hill. And he said, look, we own this hot air balloon company. It's always been my ambition to fly around the world in a hot air balloon because it's the world's last great challenge that hasn't been done. And we think, Richard, you know, you would be a great pilot. So Richard wrote back and said, you know, dear Rory, why not? So we ended up becoming close to Richard, um, really not through this sort of some sort of business, but through this 
global cha- it was called the virgin global challenger and i think richard had been in the balloon a couple of times trying to cross the pacific so the idea of flying around the world i think was very compelling and we just became you know rory became very good friends with richard and because of that we ended up becoming part of the inner circle and we became very close to their corporate finance team and we worked closely with them to act almost like gatekeepers for deals that would come in and we got involved with virgin cosmetics virgin clothing virgin executive jets virgin bride we funded v2 music which was when virgin sold the music to sony there was a lockout period so the moment that lockout period was over then you know we launched v2 music so we had really really exciting times we we worked very closely with him we were literally in his office which was his home in kensington i think it was just on the border of kensington and notting hill we were there you know in and out every day so we really you know saw everything that happened behind the scenes and it was a fantastic fascinating you know time that uh i just wish i'd taken more out of it i was younger at the time you know this was 20 something years ago you know if i knew then what i know now i think i probably would have uh you know i was just this sort of wide-eyed 30 something year old just happy to be there but it was a truly amazing time it's crazy because i read his autobiography about his hot air balloon escapades and how he almost died several times because of it yeah i remember that yeah they're quite difficult to fly you see because it's called a derosia and a derosia design is a combination of bubble of helium and then you've got the hot air burners underneath so it's a bit like trying to fly a sine wave where any control inputs you do here you have to wait about three to five minutes for them to take effect. Now, you don't know how much gas to switch on. So if you turn on too much gas, what happens is the balloon goes too high. So if it, you know, if it goes too high, it goes into, you know, the air is too cold or the jet stream might be going the wrong direction. So you then turn it off and you let a bit of the hot air out. Now, depending on the time of day and where you are, if you let out too much hot air, you start falling. And the problem is if you start falling at a rate that is too fast, then you can't stop that gradual acceleration towards the ground, which means you will hit the ground, which means that there's normally a large amount of paperwork. So you have to turn the gas on to stop this. So you end up flying like this sort of sine wave, which is obviously not the idea. And there were all sorts of other issues because someone left the bolts in So when your gas canisters have run out of propane, you push a button and it's sort of these explosive bolts let this thing fall to the ground so you're not carrying dead weight. Um, But but someone unfortunately left the the, um, security bolts in. So you press the button that says, you know, uh, explode bolt on canister one and nothing happens. So they had to go down from 50, 60,000 feet down to below 10,000 feet. Someone had to crawl out. It was just, yeah, lots of stuff happened. Yeah, so there was, you know, it's not easy flying around the world in a hot air balloon. And, And actually, you could go back in time. What do you think you would have done differently when you were in such proximity to like Richard and his team? I would have bought Google shares. Yeah, I would have done it. Normally, when I when people ask that question, normally the first thing that springs to mind is all of the errors that I made buying high and selling low. So, you know, I, there's a whole list of shares that I would have bought at precisely the right point. You know, Google, Apple, all, all that sort of stuff. I don't think I would have done anything differently in terms of what we did. I mean, we, you know, so there's no, I think there are moments where you go, Oh God, why didn't I see that? You know how I, I think we turned down a prepaid mo- mobile phone company because we never thought that the sort of penetration that this guy was forecasting would ever happen. So, you know, 
there are deals that we've missed, which are embarrassing. But now I've, I'm sufficiently old and ugly that I'm prepared to admit to them in public. But no, I don't think there's anything really that uh, I would change, only because I'm just too scared of what the other outcome would have been. At least this one, at least I, you know, I know what it is and I can manage it. Well, what about in terms of like lessons, maybe something that you would have taken back to now in the present? Well, it's always lessons. I mean, there's always the, the benefit of having, you know, 2020 hindsight. I mean, I think the lessons are, I mean, just say yes more. I mean, there's so many situations where one is afraid to do things because one imagines that the outcome will be something when in fact it never is. So, you know, we're entering the realm of advice now, which is, you know, say yes more, learn to get out of your own way. You know, every action has a an opposite reaction. So everything you do has consequences, but you know, don't be afraid. That's the thing. Just get on and do stuff. And you know, always you know, look further, just look for bigger horizons because they're all achievable. That's the, you know, the regret that I have, I suppose, is not doing more. I could have done much more, but I think my own, you know, as you're when you're younger, you have you don't have as much confidence as you get when you're older. So if, you know, if we could just have more confidence to do things, to try things, I think, you know, we would have, you just have more fun really, I think. Yeah. That's some great advice. Well, Matthew, this is an awesome show. Do you have any last words that you have to tell us about Quantum RE before we finish up today? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're very excited. We're funny enough. We've got a crowdfunding raise that's happening right now on Republic. Um, so if you go to republic.co, you can actually become a shareholder in Quantum. And the reason we're doing that is because every person that becomes a shareholder is also a potential customer. They're also a potential evangelist for what we're doing because they own a share in the company. So we've got, I think, 450 people that have signed up as shareholders so far. So it's worth having a look because then you'll see behind the scenes and you can put $100 in and become an investor. But also the website, Quantum RE, Q-U-A-N-T-M-R-E. If you're a homeowner and want to find out if we can help you, then we have a calculator there. All of our contact details are, are there. If you want to reach out, you know, just send us a message, you know, we'll jump on the phone as quickly as possible. So, you know, we're very responsive in that respect, but, you know, we'd love to see you come visit our website. Great. Is there any other preferred method of contact that you'd like people to contact you with? No, I think the website's best actually, because, you know, we we do, you know, respond very quickly. And sometimes if one of us is not available, someone else will jump in. So that's always the best way of contacting us. Awesome. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for your time and explaining how the whole home equity investment concept works and I'm very excited for your, our listeners to check out Quantum RE. And thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. John, it's, the pleasure is mine, believe me. It's, it's wonderful uh, being on your show. And I look forward to staying in touch. And you know, your listeners are very lucky to have such a, a great host as you. Oh, thank you so much. All right, take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a review to get updated when the latest episode comes out. A brief summary of this podcast can be found in the show notes at everythingrei.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second, and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks, and have a great day.